Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode number 24 of A Good Drop Podcast. Today we are talking about drinking etiquette, which uh, you would recall we mentioned in the last episode as something we should do an episode on. Yeah, we thought it was too good to miss, so here we go. I'm Stuart. I'm Michael. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, so uh, you may recall when we first mentioned drinking etiquette in our last episode, it was talking about soju. Mm. So let's, uh, let's let's start there. Start talking about uh, etiquette in a, a lot of a lot of Asian countries. We discovered have similar etiquette. Now, uh, in Japan, for example, it's considered rude to pour a drink for yourself, just like it is in South Korea and a lot of other places in the world as well. It's, a, it's considered rude to just pour yourself a drink. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, generally, your drinking partners will pour your drink. It's a gesture of hospitality. And you should then reciprocate by pouring their drink. And um, apparently, at a party or banquet in Japan, you shouldn't drink until everyone has a glass and raises it in a collective kampai or cheers. Interesting, because it's rude in Western countries to start eating before everyone else has got their food. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. Um, it's an interesting amount of overlap. Mm, yeah, and so supposedly it's then um, your job to keep watch to make sure that the people sitting around you always have something in their glass. Mm. So if you're not paying attention when drinking in Japan, chances are the people you're drinking with will just keep filling your glass up, <laughs> whether you want to keep drinking or not. Didn't Yeah, you told, told me that happened at your... Last trip to Japan, where you or yeah, it was Japan, wasn't it? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. In uh, yeah, well, I, at a, or at a Korean barbecue. Well, at a Korean barbecue that happened, but also yeah, in in Japan, someone shared some sake with me, and with with sake, you just keep going till it's gone, Oof. basically. Because as soon as a cup is empty, oh, you need more. If you want to stop, you need to not finish the glass ah. because you don't fill someone's glass until it's empty. Right. But that is at odds with how we are in Western society where waste not, want not is yeah. the the popular way of thinking. Yeah, exactly. But um, also in certain situations, say if you're drinking sake and someone raises the, the uh, flask or tokuri ready to pour, you then polish off what's left in your glass so that it's empty for them. Oh, shit. And offer so, it with two hands so that they can then fill it up. So it's just non-stop. You, can't, you cannot refuse another glass. Yeah, if, if somebody raises the <laughs> bottle to pour, yes, you have to finish what you've got in your, in your cup and, and offer it so they can fill it. Then you, oh take, then you take it and you fill theirs. Oh dear. I, I can see that ending badly if Australians tried to do it. Yeah, it, it can very quickly lead to intoxication. You need to be aware of that one. And uh, yeah, so South, South Korea is very much similar to, uh, to what they have in Japan. But uh, the exception is that if you're holding your glass up for it to be filled, no matter what you're drinking, it should be two hands. So in Japan, it's two hands if it's a sake cup. But okay. in, in South Korea, it's anything. And, right. and you should never fill the glass until it's completely empty in, mm. in both countries. Now, China mm. is also similar, but with some slight differences. Largely, they toast a lot in China. And every time someone toasts, everybody drinks. Makes sense. And... Um, 
you always, if you're just drinking with one other person, when you toast or they toast, you clink glasses and then you drink. And if they've toasted, then you toast. And it goes back and forth, toasting each other before every drink. Now, in, in a group, though, when there's a toast, of course, everybody has to toast because it's it's the polite thing to do. But you don't mm. all clink glasses. Right. If there's many people, you bang your glass on the table before drinking. Well, that'll save some time. Yeah. And glass chips yes potentially that as well and uh so yeah and uh, again you don't fill your own glass and when you're filling someone else's you never fill it only to halfway in china very important mm. in china and in hong kong you fill it up you fill it up completely but in hong kong you don't. do not fill it to the brim it's considered as a, a curse to the person whose glass you're filling yeah because a full glass is a pain in the butt to try and drink out of yeah yeah exactly you're going to spill it and i imagine it's unlucky to spill your, well, your it, drink it's a waste well that too it, it is it's a waste yeah so wow. did uh, did you have any other etiquette on oh, no because that's mostly with your know, rice wines in traditional japanese chinese and korean things which tend to be rice based did, did you find anything else no, on you, you pretty much covered it all i didn't research it no, you, okay okay <laughs> I, so. I skipped it because uh you mm. you said sake had covered japan yeah and i i know or that japan had covered sake i i know that you you went by etiquette per drink mm. whereas i went by etiquette per country country yeah because i thought oh each different drink has its own drinking etiquette like you can't drink whiskey like you drink wine because you'll just end up on the floor yeah absolutely and if you're drinking wine drinking it like whiskey is just wrong mm. so yeah I, th- I thought you know wine and vodka were two different things so why not research it like that because they have their own different customs yeah Though I did find that as a general rule, the countries where those drinks originated tend to have those customs related to them anyway. Yeah, but the, like, we're not French here in Australia, but we have taken some, but not all of the French customs when it comes to drinking wine. Mm. We've also taken some English customs and some Danish customs and some Russian customs yeah, we, or Turkish got, customs. We're a multicultural country and we Ex- take stuff from everywhere. Exactly. Yeah, like uh, the the French never fill a wine glass more than halfway. Hmm. The, the idea is that it helps the wine breathe. I think it's become more that you can sell more glasses of wine if you only fill it halfway. Well, yeah, probably. And I mean, in uh, so supposedly that's a, a class thing, according to uh, to my source. It's considered mm. crass to overfill the glass. Oh, for sure. And and I mean, Australians generally don't care about that. We'll no, Australians are a, a glass very, of wine. Australians yeah. are a very laid back culture. We tend to be very humble and very self depreciating in our humour and achievements. Yes, indeed. So. Having someone who's like all hoity-toity and like ultra classy tends to stand out in our country. Oh yeah, because like the well, for for most people they stand out. Yes, if you're rolling in the high in the high circles, high society, mm, then you're probably not. Yeah, but yeah, because the the whole uh, French tendency to pour little and often and sip slowly just doesn't really fly in casual no circles in Australia. No, but. Australia being a very, very hot country, we we swig more than sip because yeah. we need to cool well, down we, a bit. We want it to be a cool drink. You, yeah. we don't, if you're going to drink a red wine in Australia, you want it to be winter or you want it to be in air conditioning. <laughs> yeah, very true. Yeah. Because wine, when it, red wine, when it's really hot, I personally find it really quite unpleasant. 
Because mm. it, it warms you up, which in winter is a very pleasant feeling. You don't want to be warmed, you want to be cooled, mm. which I suppose is where a nice, cool white tends to be more popular in Australia. Yeah, and I, I wonder whether Australians serve their wine cooler than, say, the English or the French because of our climate. Mm, potentially, because you're not actually supposed to refrigerate white wines for an extended period of time. No, but it, from what I've seen, it's really common. Oh, yeah, very, very much so. But I mean, according to the specific wine etiquette... Yeah, white wine should be about 12 degrees, 6 to 12 degrees Celsius. Yeah, and we very much chill it to cooler than that. We'll mm. we'll get it down to 4 or 5 before we crack it out. Admittedly, it won't stay that temperature for long. No, because, In... <laughs> well, the idea is to drink it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, we, and red wine is about... Uh, 16 to 24 degrees, I Yeah, believe. it should be room temperature, but that's, of course, European room temperature. Which is nowhere close to, nowhere Australian, close to Australian room temperature. temperature. No, except in winter. Yeah. Well, also depending on which part of the country you're in. Yes, very true. Very Subtropic true. Australia. There you go. Yeah. Uh, beer etiquette, there's not really much to it. Aside from don't drink out of the bottle when you're in a formal situation. Yeah, always pour it into uh, into a glass. Though um, there is in in Germany and Denmark there is some etiquette not not around beer specifically, but around uh, any beverage you drink in a large open drinking vessel mm. that you would cheers with, which is that um, you should always maintain eye contact. And uh, I mean, this, this does come from the days of drinking beer and drinking ale that, that this originated, where yeah. you, you maintain like, maintain the eye contact when you're clinking glasses, and uh, it's considered to be a remnant from medieval times, when glasses were clinked with enough force that uh, it would cause a little bit of each drink to uh, be spilled into the other drink. Oh, you couldn't do that now. No, you'd, you'd break the glass. Smash. But um, in, in those days, it was, it was a sign of trust and showing that um, you trusted that they weren't trying to poison you and they trusted that you weren't trying to poison them. Because if the drinks crossed over, you, you couldn't have poisoned the other person's drink. Because you'd poison yourself. Yeah, and you'd know that when you clinked your glasses, you were going to get some of theirs in yours. Mm, makes sense. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. And it, there seems to be a, a bit of overlap between like drinking tea and coffee as well like etiquette wise because it's rude to slurp yes like no matter hot or how cold or refreshing your beverage is no one wants to hear the slurp sound but uh the exception is japan really in japan slurping tea and uh, slurping noodles mm. is considered polite that's I I find that really strange. It's it's considered to show respect to the person who prepared it because uh, by one interesting thing that I learned while I was uh, while I was in Japan and going out of my way to slurp is that you can consume <laughs> things at a much hotter temperature. You don't have to wait for them to cool down right. when you slurp them. That makes sense. So it's more respectful, I guess, to the person who who gave it to you by saying, "This is so good, I want to drink it sooner." Yeah, okay, I can see so that. So you you slurp it. To, to be able to do that. So the slurping shows respect. Wow. Uh, another thing is that you should, like, although it is super common in pubs in Australia, you should never pour your beer into a frosted glass or a chilled glass. 
should be a room temperature glass because the uh, the beer forms ice crystals on the side of your glass and changes the flavor. Yeah, though I suppose Australian beers are brewed specifically to be served under those conditions. Yeah, served at like two degrees or one degree yeah, Celsius. It's it's expected, but you you just can't do it with imports because they oh, don't taste no. the same. You you drink imports at like ten to twelve degrees. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If you're drinking a, a German beer or uh, an ale that you've imported, like mm. uh, like Monty Python and the Holy Ale, you, you don't <laughs> want to drink that at two degrees. You, you no. Know, yeah, drink that a bit warmer. No, but yeah. And I think the Australian can, like the can of be- Australian beer is a, a whole thing It's in itself, a tinny, as everyone calls them. Yeah, and, and that changes the flavour as well. And yeah. certainly one never drinks from a can in even in Australia, in a formal situation, you pour it out of the can. And if it is in a can and you're in a restaurant or a formal dining situation, the host or waiter will pour it into a glass for you. You probably will never see the can itself. Yeah. Yeah, it's very few places that will actually give you the can. Like some places will give you the bottle with a glass, but mm. very few places will give you the can with a glass. Yeah, and the idea of giving you the bottle in the glass is so you can control how much you pour and how much head you put in the beer. Yeah, and if you stuff it up and have too much, that's your own fault. And it, then everyone can laugh at you in their posh fashion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So speaking of posh, let's talk about wine. Yes, wine. Why not? Because uh, we, we mentioned it uh, <laughs> briefly. Very important thing with wine is how you hold the glass. Yeah, I've been doing this wrong the whole time and no one said anything. Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people make the mistake of cupping the bowl of the glass in their hand and letting the stem hang between their fingers. Uh, yeah, I, I never knew. I thought it was the classy thing to do. Hold it by the bowl. But the stem, you should always hold it by the stem. I can't believe nobody told me. And then, of course, you very delicately clink your glass with the people who you're drinking with. Yeah, you you clink it with the the bowl or the side of the glass, not the lip, because it's more likely to break it if you clink at the lips. Yeah, it's thicker towards the bottom. Yeah, the top. In France, you should clink glasses with everybody you're drinking with. Hmm. I think that's a bit of a custom in Australia mm. too. Yeah, though uh, it's very important though when clinking glasses with people not to cross arms with anybody. Really? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, considered to be very rude if you put your arm across somebody else's arm to clink drinks with someone. But I, I guess that huh. that makes sense. Really, you you wouldn't do it in most circumstances anyway. Yeah, I suppose you wouldn't reach across somebody else to pass someone something. Well, at least you shouldn't. No. Well, it'd be considered rude if you did. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. But uh, while we're talking wine, though, let's talk Sweden, because there's a very nice little bit of etiquette that I found about uh, Swedish uh, wine consumption, which is that apparently at any sort of a group gathering where uh, where you're drinking wine, or I, I believe in most gatherings, wine is the chosen beverage from, from what I found, that to begin everything, the host makes a welcoming toast. And right. after... After that welcoming toast, everyone raises their glasses and then may begin drinking. But the women must then place their glasses down first. And the men, as a general rule of thumb, will not put their glasses down until all the women have placed their glass on the table. So it uh, makes it important for any women traveling abroad in Sweden to remember... That they need to put their glasses yeah, if down. If you're at a social event, don't <laughs> turn to the person next to you and get engrossed in conversation with your glass in your hand because you'll get a table full of guys giving you the stink eye because they can't <laughs> put their glass down. <laughs> yeah, that reminds me of this bar etiquette article I was reading 
and it was saying that you should order a round for the table. And mm. uh, if you're the, if you're hosting, try and like order order one as soon as you get there to arrive as soon as everybody's sat down. So like everyone like sits down and then suddenly a bottle of wine appears and everyone's like, hey, we haven't even thought about drinks yet, but this is great. Uh, and when you're ordering, you must agree with what the sommelier says, the the wine expert. Right, right. Like if you if you ask him for advice or an opinion, you have to trust what he says, or or it's extraordinarily rude. Mm, well, I suppose that they're, they're the expert. That's their yeah, job. But, they're supposed to know about wine. That is literally their job. Yeah, <laughs> and they have one job. Yeah. So you got to hope they do wine. it right. Yeah. And it's wine, and they get paid a lot of money for it. So trust the sommelier. And when you're uh, testing to see if a wine has been corked or not. Don't swirl it around because swirling it around uh, will disperse any of the corkage or corked smell, assign any signs that the wine has gone off or the cork has gone moldy or started to disintegrate. Yeah, you you should smell it immediately after they pour it into the glass. Yeah, don't swirl it around. And Mm. you can sip it if you like. There's no, uh, no rules against sipping it, but don't, you know, chug it. Knock it back. Yeah, well, you should never drink wine that way anyway. Not not just because it's bad form, but because it's a terrible idea. Yeah, and it's a sign that you're drinking to get drunk. Yes, that which as we, well. Which at the Good Drop podcast, we do not recommend. We do not recommend that at all. Stay classy, listeners. Stay yeah, classy. and if you're ordering drinks from the table, uh, you must, I, don't, I disagree with this part, you must offer the lady sitting next to you a sip of your drink, and if she prefers yours over hers, you must swap. Where is this? What? What is, is this? A wine thing? No, this was a this was a bar etiquette bar. or a restaurant etiquette. How how old school is this? Right, it's it's on uh, askmen dot com. So, oh, so take that with a grain of salt. Yeah, it might be biased. Yes, it, it sounds like it. Uh, it could be. So um, yeah, any anyone who thinks that we I, I don't agree with that at all. It, it no. sounds a little bit. It um, sounds sexist if you ask yes. me. Yes, it, indeed. And I'm not sure if that's... It, it sounds, quote-unquote, nice guy. <laughs> yeah, it sounds a bit neckbeard. Yes, it sounds neckbeard. Yeah, not that there's anything wrong with having a neckbeard, but if you have a neckbeard and you wear a certain style of hat and you say milady a lot... You fit into this... You will probably enjoy that website. Yeah, yeah you probably will. You probably mm. will. And um, if you enjoy our show as well, do keep listening. Yeah. Because we're, we're, we're for you as well, and we'll teach you how to be classier. We are for anybody who likes to have a drop. Yeah, exactly. So, Mikkel, have you heard of the Bishop of Norwich? I've heard of the Bishop of Norwich, but not in relation to any form of beverage consumption. Well, he's a terribly nice guy, but he always forgets to pass the port. Ah, and we're now talking about the pass the port thing. We are. Now, the actual custom of of passing the port has, like, the reason behind it has been lost to history, as every single article I've read on it says. Uh, But historians think that it could be connected to naval times, where you pass the port with your right or with your left hand so you can keep your sword arm free in case of, you know, someone... Someone suddenly attacks a ship or something, yeah. And when you... So passing the port is a a custom in formal naval or military circles, usually military. 
uh, and, and the the person at the head of the table, the the guest of honor, if you like, uh, will will pour himself a small glass of port, and then he will pass the bottle to his left without bringing the bottle between him and his glass. So he will pass it away from him to the left and to the to the next person, who will pour himself a drink and then pass it to the next person, and it's never allowed to touch the table. Until it gets to the end. Interesting. And th- this etiquette kind of uh, breaks from a lot of the other etiquette in that it's all about pouring yourself a drink. Yeah. And, yeah, I'd, I'm not entirely familiar with this one. I mean, I've been in a couple of circumstances where I've had to do so myself, but I don't know. I'm with the hist- historians on this one. I don't really know why. Yeah, it, it's not something that makes any logical sense. Apart from being like a mini ceremony in itself. Yeah, I mean, th- there are some strange ceremonial things that have come out of the military and consumption of drinks, like opening champagne with a sabre or scimitar. Oh, yes. S- Sabridge, is... as, as it's called. This is my favourite part about champagne history. Yeah, which originated, supposedly, from uh, the Napoleonic Wars and Napoleon celebrating through cracking open bottles of champagne using his sabre and his men would then follow suit. It's a very spectacular way to open a bottle of champagne. It really is. But these days, they just do it for pomp and show, which I guess is what they were doing it for then as well, because it lets you open the bottle quickly and easily and it looks impressive. Mm. And as far as I could find, that's still the reason why it's done in some classy establishment. <laughs> because it looks impressive. It looks impressive. <laughs> yeah, makes perfect sense to me. I mean, I w- if I could open a bottle of champagne with a sword, like hell I would. I'll admit, I I have a champagne scimitar, and I have used it. What? But it does tend to launch the cork and very top glass portion of the bottle quite a distance. Yeah, now Wikipedia says 5 to 10 metres, but I'm sure I've seen it go further than that. You you reckon you've cleared half a football field? Well, not that sort of distance, (laughs) but... uh... About half a block. Yeah, that's. I, I would say that's a quite a deadly projectile. Yeah, I'll admit I was on the fourteenth floor at the time. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Wow, that would do some damage to somebody if you opened it in front of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you've seen what happens just when a cork pops out and hits the ceiling. Yeah, I've seen a dented and, ceiling, and from there's that. there's no glass attached, and glass, of course, gives significantly more mass, mm. and velocity plus mass equals force. Sure does. Because we're all about science here on the Good yes. Cup. Science, science and history. Mm. Because science brings us alcohol, and history brings us why. Yes, the the whys of the alcohol, which is always important. Be yeah. wise about alcohol. Be wise. Mm. So something else from France is cognac. No, oh, very true, very true. Cognac is French. Cognac is cognac is very French. And it's drunk very, very similar to whiskey. So we can probably roll the two things into one. You well, I'm I'm sure people who are whiskey or cognac experts would hate me for saying that, so let's not. Cognac, if it's new, if it's a a young cognac, you can, feel free to mix it. It's there's nothing wrong with that. But if it's old or very old, mixing it is the quickest way to offend the manufacturer or the maker. Mm, well, and uh, as mentioned this really goes for good aged cognac and good aged whiskey as a certain film has been noted to say there is a special place in hell reserved for people who waste good scotch Mm. but it can go either way oh for sure and another one is don't mix it with water or ice because it makes it too bland and you know wrecks the flavor of it you're supposed to drink it neat at room temperature Mm. 
and cognac cognac is brandy and brandy is distilled wine so the whole point of it was to get it to this point why would you dilute it back to wine again yeah yes exactly what's wrong with you i mean whiskey is slightly <laughs> different in that up to th- three cubes is acceptable depending on the size of the ice cubes very very true the larger the ice cube the better mm. because it's the idea is to cool it down th- rather than dilute it yes you, you well, don't actually a little, little bit of dilution and a little bit of cooling yeah, because you, you don't want to have so much ice in there that when it melts, because you shouldn't drink a nice whiskey quickly. No. So you don't want so much in there that when it melts completely, you've watered it down too much. Yeah, and in some whiskey bars in Scotland, if you ask for ice in your scotch, they will kick you out. Just, that's it. You're gone. Bye. We don't serve your kind here. Well, that uh, sounds fair to me. Mm. Sounds fair. I, I use scotch rocks. <laughs> yes. Scotch rocks. I, I drink it with ice because that's the way I prefer to drink it. Mm. The, when you're in casual settings, there is no wrong way to drink no, your drink. correct. The etiquette is for the fancy way. If you're in a whiskey bar, expect for people to expect you to use proper whiskey etiquette. And if you don't know, it's okay to ask if you're in that sort of establishment. It's okay to not know what you're talking about. Yeah, that's how you find out. You say, hey, I don't know what I'm talking about, and someone tells you. Hmm. And, yeah, if you're in a good whiskey bar, ask the bartender. Like, oh, hey, that whiskey looks cool. I like the label on it. Can I have a glass? How do you drink it? How do you drink that particular whiskey? Hmm. And even other patrons, other knowledgeable people, will happily share their wisdoms with you. Yeah, exactly, because it means they have another drinking buddy. Yeah, absolutely right. And uh, since we're talking about drinking buddies well still on the whiskey thing it's okay to add water to whiskey but it's got to be filtered water because even the most pure water unless you're talking about distilled water or demineralized water you're still going to get impurities in it so whatever you do to it it's going to change the flavor so with water from scotland is going to taste different to water from australia yeah yeah absolutely but it, yeah, it's okay to add a little bit of water. It's diluted a bit to bring out the flavours a little more. And now on to vodka. Yes, so obviously uh, we can't talk about vodka without talking about Russia. Because where, vodka um, is Russian. Yeah, where vodka originated. And uh, according to uh, Russian etiquette, vodka shots should always be downed in one go. And no matter what you're drinking there, it's uh, it's considered bad form to put down a glass that still has alcohol in it. That could end badly. So you have to have your glass in your hand unless it's empty. Or on the floor. Well, if a if a bottle is empty, you put it on the floor. Oh, okay. Em- empty bottles don't go on the table. They go on the floor. So you throw them on the ground and you say another? Uh, that, I... <laughs> the, the information I found said that they should be put on the floor. Place on the floor. Okay. Yeah, so you, you don't end up with glass everywhere by the end of the no, night. You just wants. place them on the floor. And potentially if you're sat at a table drinking... Then you pour the last of the bottle, you put it on the floor, and you can't really see how much you've had. You can't see the empties. They're not all over the table. Mm. You've only got full bottles on the table. Yeah, that would free up the table for other festivities. It, it would, like some Russian roulette. <laughs> no, not Russian roulette. That is not a table drinking game. Yeah, I've never lost at that game. <laughs> uh, that, I guess so. Maybe just go for regular roulette. Yes. The odds are slightly better at Russian roulette, though. <laughs> I would say the odds are kinder in the other one. 
Yes, no doubt, no doubt. But uh, <laughs> that took a dramatic turn. It it did, but I suppose when you're drinking vodka and not putting your glass down until it's empty. Yeah. Well, it vodka's consumed as shots. So yeah. Exactly. So you shot it, put the glass down. Someone mm. pours another one, shot it, put the glass down. And something to note that we probably covered in our vodka episode, you when you're drinking Russian vodka, it tastes so much different to uh, vodka we get in Australia. It is so much smoother than anything you can find here. It's like water. Yeah, well, and it has significantly more value than uh, a number <laughs> of other things in Russia. As well, in fact, there have been times where the Russians have used vodka instead of their currency because it was worth more. Really? Wow! Probably easier to get too. No, oh, and and you can make it yourself. Yeah, but a good vodka is a uh, is a um, thing that makes you look good in the eyes of other people. <laughs> yes, very. <laughs> There's true. a word for that, but I've had too much beer today. Hmm. It's all going to my head. This Newstead. Pale Ale is fantastic. Yes, we, we recommend. This one is out and about, and it's got a ye old boxer picture on it. And I thought it was appropriate for today's episode because etiquette is a little old-fashioned. Yes, very, uh, very true. And it's been largely forgotten, but uh, not everywhere. And no. not always. Yes, which is why we thought that it was a important note in our quest for the best mm. drop ever. And uh, in talking about, I suppose, the historical uh, aspect of etiquette, I'd, I'd like to talk about Hungary for a moment, where um, they pretty much break from what everybody else does with clinking glasses in that you should never clink glasses when you're in Hungary. Really? And uh, that's dates back to uh, 1849 when the revolution against Habsburg ended and 13 Hungarian martyrs were hanged, and the Austrian soldiers drank beer and clinked their glasses during it to, to celebrate their victory, I suppose. Right. But uh, at that time, Hungarians vowed not to clink glasses for 150 years in remembrance of that. Mm. And even though it's been more than 150 years now, since 1849... It's now become a custom. That, yeah, that tradition is still carried on as a custom, mm. and just good manners, I suppose. It's just, it's just etiquette in Hungary that yeah. you don't... Clink. I wonder what the conversation was when those 150 years were up. 1849, you said. Mm, 1849. That would make it to uh, 1999. That, yeah. That would have ended. Yes, indeed. And the question is, was there a conversation or was everyone just, this is what we do? Yeah. You say you, cheese, you raise your glass, you don't clink it, you drink. If you know then send us an email, a podcast at gmail.com. Yes, indeed. So I suppose we should, uh, let's finish up by talking about the very Australian thing known as uh, the shout. The shout. Which is basically the only etiquette we have when it comes to drinking yeah. that we... That we I mean, can call our own. Yeah. I mean, well, at least the name is ours because uh, the British and the Irish and the Turks, they, they do this too, mm. which is basically if you're at a pub in a group, it's your round. You, yeah, you take turns buying rounds for the table. But uh, the, the Turks have a slightly different uh, spin on this, because in Australia and Britain and Ireland, you buy a drink for each person at the table. Mm. But in Turkey, apparently, you buy a bottle for the table. Mm. So if everyone's drinking whiskey, you buy a bottle of whiskey. You buy a bottle of whiskey, yeah. And then the next person has their round and buys a bottle of whiskey. And if you've <laughs> got a few people there, that's a shitload of whiskey. That, that's a lot of whiskey, yeah. But I think it's probably referring to wine and 
port or less potent Something not spirits. quite so strong as, yeah, hmm. because if you had, you know, 10 people each buy a bottle of whiskey at 22 standards a bottle, that's 220 standards between... That's, I don't know. Yeah. I personally cannot drink that much. I have never been close to drinking that much. Well, and you, you would end up drinking a <laughs> bottle each doing it that way. Yeah. But, um, unless you were really good at keeping track of who got the last round and you always drank with the same people. I don't think... Yeah, if it was just the one night, I don't think it'd matter after the first two bottles. Yeah, you'd, you'd forget pretty quick, I'd mm. expect. So another thing that's quite Australian is buying a bottle or a case of beer for a friend if they're doing a big favour for you, like... You know, helping you weld your trailer or fixing your house or coming to fix your sink. Yeah, oh, you get absolutely. Him a case or a bottle of something yeah, nice. In, in certain circles, yeah, a, a carton of beer or a nice bottle of something is considered suitable payment for a mate doing you a favour. Yeah, which is funny because you could just give him 50 bucks. Yeah. Slip him a 50. You could, but I suppose <laughs> that the difference is when the work is done, generally you're going to crack that open and enjoy it together. Yeah, that is true. Or he's just going to take it home and enjoy it himself. And you know that that guy's going to, what that beer is going to go towards, it's going to go to him feeling nice about doing the job. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Exactly right. And uh, I suppose on that note, let's say that if you're from any of the countries we mentioned or know something we missed about any of the drinks we talked about. Yeah, send us an email, a gooddrop at gmail.com. Yeah, and uh, of course, look us up, uh, a good drop podcast on Facebook and uh, comment. Yeah, and we are we are a good drop on iTunes. And of course, uh, word of mouth is always good. Talk to your friends about us. Yeah, let us know if you've got any feedback, comments, questions. Let us know your favourite drink. Let us know your funny etiquette stories where you've got it wrong. Yeah. Or, and, or very right, and you've made someone else embarrassed. Yeah, because we, we would love to do a, a listener feedback episode where we just tell stories that you've so, told us about your experiences with yeah. everything. Send us some great ones. And, yeah, that wraps us up. So be sure to tune in next time when we talk about Shiraz. Yes, Shiraz, a, uh, an interesting and very popular red wine grape variety. A grape wine? It's, it's pretty grape. Pretty grape. Yeah. So listen up. Uh, I finished my beer. And I've got a tiny bit left. So but, you've basically uh, finished your I've beer. I've basically finished my beer. And with the tinnies so they don't clink. So yeah. you just have the unsatisfying sound of two empty cans banging together. Yep, so uh, this has been a good drop. Until next time. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.